0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: For years they've been anticipating this moment. And the first pitch in Double Ray history will go directly
0: to the Hall of Fame. Celebrating 25 years of Tampa Bay Rays baseball.
2: This is the Tampa Bay Rays 25th Anniversary Podcast.
0: Host Neil Solons will be joined by members of the inaugural Hall of Fame class. Towards the alley, Crawford going over,
2: makes a headlong dive and a sensational flying catch in the alley
0: for one away.
2: We'll also honor the greatest teams, players, and moments in franchise history with special guests along the way.
0: Longoria on the run. He gets there. The Rays are going to the postseason. Swinging a ground ball to second, this should do it. Hockey has it, takes it to second himself. This improbable season has another chapter to it. The Rays are going to the World Series. Swinging a fly ball to right field. He's going to get it. Ben Zobrist is there. And Matt Garza has no hit. The Detroit Tigers. It can't happen again, can it? Swinging a drive. Down the right field line. To the corner. It's gone. Are you kidding me? Dan Johnson with two strikes, two outs in the bottom of the ninth has just hit it out. And the Rays are tied at seven. They're still life. Here it comes. Swing, a line drive down the left field line towards the corner. This one, it's gone! It's gone! Evan Nogoria has just hit the raise to the American League wild card. All the way to the wall, it's gone! A home run for Mike Brasso and Sweet Justice in San Diego. Here's a swing and a drive, right center field. Back at it goes, Betts to the wall. Get out of here! It's gone! It's a record-setting ninth home run this postseason for Randy Arozarena, swing line drive, right center. It's a base hit. Kiermaier around third. He scores the tying run, and now they've got a couple between third and home. The ball gets away. It is score Arozarena. The Rays have won. Here's your host, Neil Solans.
2: Thanks so much for joining us. Our first podcast involving a Hall of Fame inductee, and this one is Don Zimmer, who spent. A total of 66 years in baseball, part of eight decades, and his last 11 years of his career and his life were spent with the Tampa Bay Rays, and certainly a very deserving addition to the Rays Hall of Fame wing. And on this podcast, we're going to have several conversations. In a moment, we're going to hear from Zimmer, his widow, and also son Tom. In addition to that, you'll hear from Tom Foley, who was part of the induction ceremony as well. And beyond that, we'll chat with Chris Westmoreland. Chris spent a lot of time with the Zimmer family and of course is head of travel and logistics for the races as we speak. But we'll begin our conversation uh, with Soot Zimmer and Tom and first begin by congratulating them on Don being put in the Rays Hall of Fame.
3: To think that he was the first one, I think it's great. I was very impressed and very indebted to the Rays for wanting him to be the first one in. Maybe because he was the oldest one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tom? Same thing. I
1: mean, you know, to say you went in ahead of Carl Crawford and guys like that, I mean, that's pretty amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's an honor to be the first one. What does it mean to you on an individual basis, as you sit here, when, you'll,
2: you know, when you're going to be part of that ceremony What will it mean to you personally? I know, and then I want to ask about what it might have meant to Don, what he would have said.
3: Very proud, very proud that he is in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Uh, I'm going to tell you something else that I've been thinking about. All those years he was in baseball, the thing that amazes me is every day he'd go in there and put that uniform on. Every day. And even when he was with the Rays, even though he wasn't a coach, he would go down and put the uniform on, hit fungos, then get back dressed again and sit up in the stands. Unbelievable to do that for 66 years, that <laughs> or almost 66. He was in the 66th year when he passed away.
2: <laughs> it was remarkable. How about you, Tom?
1: Well, I mean, this for me, this is like you know we're 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 done with baseball. We're all basically out of baseball now. So for me, this is kind of like the last hurrah. You know, I don't know how many times we'll ever be at the stadium for something in his name or whatever. But it's just the idea. This is like the culmination now of everything. What would he say
2: uh, about this? Do you think you can probably hear his voice? What would he have said about a Hall of Fame and him being at the top of the list?
3: He'd probably say me? Hall of Fame? (laughs) Well, even when they retired his number, I thought that was great and now here he's going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm really, really thrilled about it.
1: He would say his classic line, me a 235 hitter getting into the Hall of Fame.
2: Why was this such a special place for him? Because I know as much as the Rays loved him, he loved them.
3: Well, first of all, I've been all over this country with him in baseball, but to be here at home, and be with the Rays, that was very special. For the first time in his life, he lived where he was, you know, on a ball team. And that, to me, that was great. But the, the Rays even hired him. I'll never forget when he went down. Can I tell this a little mm-hmm. story? Years ago, uh, Lou Pinola was the manager and Vince Pinoli. They called him up after he came home from the Yankees and re- more or less retired asked him to come down for for lunch you know baseball people they do so he went down when he came home he said mom I'm working again (laughs) I thought that was classic mom I'm working again (laughs) they hired him
1: well we we've told you this every year at this time of the year when you've come into our house that getting hired here probably extended his life some without a doubt just being around the ball team do you remember when he got hired by the,
2: by the Rays? Obviously, Sid remembers it bright as day. Do you remember what he might have said to you? or
1: No, I, rem- I, I only remember that he was going down, and uh, I think we all had an inkling that they had something that they wanted him to do. And, I mean, it, it, when I heard it, it wasn't, to me, a big surprise. I just figured, oh, they're going to say we want you to be around, you know, for special things or whatever. So to me, it wasn't a shock. I mean, I could see it coming.
2: He won six World Series rings, but he also was part of the first World Series team that this franchise ever had. What do you, or what kind of stories did he tell during that year, and when did maybe he think that was a really special group?
3: Well, I mean, for such a young team, and any time you go to the World Series is great, but this was a young team going to the World Series. He just thought it was, you know, and I wanted to go to the World Series when we went to Philadelphia, and he said, "Mom, you better not go up there; those fans are pretty rugged." <laughs> I went everywhere. <laughs> yes, proud to be in the World Series. Yes.
2: Do you remember anything about that year or anything that stands out? I mean, you were you were obviously working in the game at the time too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always had uh, I always had the Rays to have to do reports on their ball club because I always had their organization, but. You know, it was just uh, they've had so many multiple years now where they were really close. So it's just a matter of one bad month or one bad week that might, might knock you out. But it didn't surprise. They kept getting close, close, close and just coming up short. And it's happened multiple times since, too. He had a way with young players. I remember them
2: always bringing him to the backfields in spring training and especially Longo, what you still text with him? Yes. What is that relationship? Why was that relationship so special between them?
3: Well, I'll tell you, we were coming home from a trip, and I was it an ulcer? Well, anyway, Longo was at the airport, and we gave him a ride home. And I can remember, I drove, and Don turned around and was talking to Longo the whole time home. And from then on, they they were very close, and and Longo's is still. He still texts me. <laughs> is there
2: anything that you think, like, why? Some people just click. But what made the two of them so tied?
3: Well, that's a good question. I I don't know. Cause, oh, and I know they played cards together. You know, they did different things together. Uh, what is that card game they play? <laughs> <that>, Rimage? <Riddick>? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the old <team. laughs> Did play cribbage. What, what, Tom? Do you remember ever talking to your dad about Longo and, and just what made him special?
1: What, what you got to remember was is is my dad was used to go between the manager, which it could have been Madden at the time, mm-hmm. and and you had young players, whether it be Crawford or certain ones, uh, B.J. Upton in particular, that were having their troubles. Either with the manager or whatever, because they weren't hustling, whatever it might have been. He was always the go-between. So the young player clung to him because he had to talk to him as the father figure to straighten out anything you know the guy was doing wrong. And they would always, always take his knowledge of what he was talking about and, you know, try to do the right thing from that point on. That was what he was used for. That was perfect at the time for those players, so those players always have that feeling towards him, like almost like a grandfather feel, you know feeling. And
2: It wasn't only the players. Um, Matt Silverman and Andrew Friedman both told me all that young. yes. They were, all,
1: they were all young too. So they were just like the players. They were breaking themselves in as front office people. So yeah, everybody was young and everybody has somebody that's a mentor. So, I mean, he was kind of like that person in the background to each one of these type of people.
2: Do you remember talking with Don at all about Andrew and Matt over the years when when he was in there and what they meant to him?
3: Oh, I'm sure I did. I can't, uh, you're talking to a 92-year-old <laughs> lady here. You want me to remember back nine years or what? he? <laughs> But uh, I know he got along great with all of them, and I'm sure you know they, they talked a lot together.
2: They did. In fact, one of the things I was, I was looking this up because we had a, a conversation about uh, recently I had with Andrew just about you know what he meant. And he said, "I watched him in awe as he navigated the clubhouse and got instant buy-in from our players." Um, he went so far over and above the advisor title. We were fortunate to get to know Zim, his incredible wife Soot, and their last chapter. Um, what does that mean to hear something oh, like
3: that? That means a lot that <laughs> you're quoting that from Andrew. I think that's wonderful. I'm thrilled that he thought that about Don, that he navigated the clubhouse, and that was his job when he was with the Rays.
2: It's not an easy thing to do, especially with... The age difference. What made him so relatable um, to a young person, Tom? Because that's in today's day and age. Sometimes it's it's hard for a young person to gravitate immediately. And they all seemed whether it was Andrew or Matt in the front office, or BJ or Carl or Longo in the in the players. What what made your dad so ability had that ability to connect with people?
1: You know, um, he came up in an era where you know players were tight. But you always had agitating each other in, in great fun, almost like nowadays you can't do any of this kind of stuff. But th- he was able to do that with the young players, and, oh, they just ate it up. So, I mean, these are all things that, that he would do with the young player, aggravate them, beat them in cards, oh, just, you know, and they would go crazy. So that, these, are, these are the kind of things that baseball players do with each other. Young and old, from the very oldest to the very youngest, that's why.
2: Who have you heard from since it was announced that Don was going into the Hall of Fame? Who were maybe some special phone calls you might have gotten along the way? And what have they said? Because I know you keep in touch with a lot of people still.
3: Well, I, I, I told Longo about it, and I said in the write-up, they said, you're probably going to be in uh, when you retire Ascent because he was so popular here. And he said, you deserve it, and so does Don deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I love that. <laughs> well,
1: I, I get, I, I've gotten texts just from, you know, the local friends that saw it on the news feed or something like that. So, yeah, I, I've heard it from, you know, different guys around town. I see your dad's going in, you know. So texts from different people, uh, you know, no, acknowledging they saw it the other day. Do you still
2: hear from, we, I think we've talked year after year about the Joe Tories and, and folks like that. Do you still I, I chat with them?
3: I hear from Jimmy Leland every couple of weeks and once in a while from Joe Torrey, yes. How,
2: what does that mean to you? Because I, I think in all of this, um, as we sit in your home, um, you're as an important part of this as anybody. I, I almost think this is your Hall of Fame as much as it is Don's Hall of Fame
3: well to think that they would take the time to uh, you know to to and get in touch with me uh it makes me feel real good because when you get as old as i am <laughs> i keep saying that but i can still laugh <laughs> uh well that that makes me feel good but we were a team and i went everywhere that he played ball and he was i didn't know until his memorial service which the rays put on and which was great when Dwayne said he was with 14 different clubs. And I've got scrapbooks I can show you. From every year that he played, managed, coached, I didn't realize he was on 14 different teams. And we were all over the country. And this is the old, and I know it's different now. Mm-hmm. I don't think the wives drive like I did all across the country. But, you know, it's a thrill. And to think that they would honor him and think I was part of it is great.
2: Do you think the same Tom? Because it's is honoring a family. I almost consider this like a the first family of the race in some ways.
1: Yeah, people today they they don't understand what what uh, how it used to be. And, you know, the money wasn't great back then and all that kind of stuff. So people don't understand when you tell I, I tell somebody at one of the kids' little league games that we're talking, you know, they want to talk baseball, that when he played the minimum salary was four to six thousand dollars at one time. I mean, that's like they can't they can't believe that. That's not even meal money nowadays. So I mean, you know, things like that going back from way far back, I mean it's like night and day of what how you lived and what you went through back then to now.
2: Do you remember much about the long drive you would take cross country? Because he got traded once In season, right?
3: Oh, I'll never forget. Yes, we were back with the Dodgers the second time as a player. And as soon as the kids were out of school, I drove to L.A. He went on a road trip. I was there about a week. Got the apartment all fixed up. And all of a sudden, I see he got traded to Washington, (laughs) D.C. And I had to go from L.A. to Washington. But I loved it all. I didn't mind. You know, that was my job. I was, you know. I drove and it, it like he like Tom said it's a different era they they didn't but we had fun and and we made it and we're here today
2: <laughs> Without cell phones you did it without oh. anything right I mean it was
3: yeah, yeah. no cell phones <laughs> I know I can remember one time I was going to drive to New York and somebody said to, What if you break down? And and I said, Well, I'll call AAA. And well, how are you going to call when you don't have a cell phone? This is when I got my first cell phone. (laughs) This this was just a few, you know, towards the end of his career driving north. And you're right. Luckily, I never broke down.
1: (laughs) Do you remember many of those drives as a kid, Tom? The the one to to LA, right after you got out of school, and we were just kind of like making friends at a pool, you know, that we were at the apartment. And then you turned around a week later and you had to turn around and pack the car again and go all the way across the country. And I think we were sick too in the car. <laughs> and I mean, man, that was bad. That's, that's a long way. So, I mean, we had to do that. That's what we did. What
2: do you think is really important for Ray's fans, because we have new fans every year, to remember about Don? Because a lot of them don't know as much as, let's say, I or some of the other people who did know him did.
3: Well, I think only the older ones would remember him. You know, like when he played and and so forth. Uh, I hope they do, but but he put in his time. He really did. (laughs) And he loved every minute of it. Is that what
2: stands out to you, Tom? Just his love?
3: Well, the
1: people people that got to be around whenever you know whether they're younger people that ran into him at a restaurant at the track wherever he was at at the ballpark see they'll come up to you and say oh man we got to talk to him it was it was just so much fun talking to him because he would talk to people you know and there there was people like tommy lasorda had a gift to talk to people so not everybody would, you know, there was people that were always very shy. Like they say Joe DiMaggio, you know, he, he, he was more shy. He didn't talk to people the same way. My dad would talk to anybody that walked up, you know, and, and tried to be nice to him. But, I mean, as long as they were nice to him, he'd carry on a conversation. With, and people remember that. That's their impression.
2: It's really, really important. And you guys did a lot of events. Together over the years. Uh, and, and you still, do you, you, you've been still honoring the MVP, or the MVP's named after Don?
3: I've been asked to do a lot of things for to represent him. I was supposed to give out a scholarship yesterday morning, but I, I just couldn't do it at nine. Eight o'clock in the morning, I was supposed to be up at the Philly complex to give out a Don Zimmer scholarship that the Rays actually sponsor. But I said, I just, it's a little early. <laughs> and
2: that's the Clearwater for Youth sponsorship Clearwater. that they have.
1: That- it's, actually, uh, it's actually inside the concourse of the ballpark, open air, but they actually do a good job. They, you know, beautiful breakfast, big, big buffet, and the school kids come with their parents that are getting these awards and stuff. And it, it, w- it was very nice last year. It's just that we had so much going on here in the last couple of days with my sister leaving, and so, you know, it just didn't work out this time.
2: But those, those awards, the awards that are named after him, the MVP, the Clearwater for Youth Scholarship, what does it mean to still have his name attached to things like that?
3: Well, that is nice that his name is attached because it is, then it is said every year or, or, you know, many times to keep him still kind of like alive. Yes, I love that. I really do.
1: And for you, Tom? I just hope the kid, girl or guy, that gets their award, I just hope they're reading the program so they know what they're getting it for and who it's from. That's all I care about is do you know what this is?
2: And I'm sure the players of the team know when they win that MVP award. That too.
1: They do because there's pictures in the clubhouse and there's all kind of things they see. So, yeah, they know, but a young kid doesn't know.
2: You mentioned the scrapbooks. You still have so many things in this home of yours that still help, I mean, are a shrine to Don almost.
3: Uh, It's funny you should mention about the scrapbooks. I got about 70 of them. And there was an article written in the Times years ago about the scrapbooks. And somebody called me from the big Hall of Fame and said, what are you going to do with the scrapbooks? And I said, well, probably build a fire. And they said, no, no, no. Send them to us because you probably have stuff in there that we don't have. They like all the memorabilia from everywhere, you know. But I thought that was funny. But, yes, I still have all the scrapbooks. (laughs) And I love doing that. I started when he was in high school. Can you believe it? Every year, I got one. Some of them, when he was a, a coach, when he was manager, took two year two books. <laughs> because as a manager, your name gets in the paper probably every day, not always as a player.
2: No doubt. Um, and, and that's a great record, too, of just who he was and what he was about and what he did.
1: Oh, well, what people like, you know, that are my age, uh, my buddies that were, You know, there are a few from Cincinnati and stuff that were scouts, so they're familiar with because they went to the same high school and stuff. So for them to see these old high school pictures, you know, with the leather helmet on and everything, doing a sweep—oh my God, it's hysterical! I mean, these are these are—they don't even do that in high school down here anymore. We used to have two papers, and they have all—they had all kind of articles back then. Unbelievable to see that stuff.
2: So your family, how many grandkids, great-grandkids are there now? And, and I would assume that you keep pretty close tabs on all of it.
3: I have four grandkids and five great-grandkids, and they're probably still coming. I don't know. How much
2: does that part of your life now, is that basically beyond the fact that obviously you, you remember and we all remember Dawn, How how important are they to you?
3: Well, my daughter just was down for a visit. Uh, she was born and raised here, but now she lives up in New Hampshire. And she was just here. That is why we didn't go to the scholarship thing yesterday. It's when she was leaving. And, you know, it was just too much going on. Her daughter is a uh, college softball coach. And we just spent the weekend going to South Florida for college softball games. And this old gal can only do so much. <laughs> and so. I, I just, that's why I didn't go to the scholarship thing yesterday.
2: How much does she mean? Because I think we've talked about her a lot over the years, uh, the success she's had the, uh, in coaching softball.
3: Oh, I, I when we were at the games, I thought many a times, if Don was only here to be seeing her on third base giving signals, he would get the biggest kick out of that, you know, because he did it so many times when he was a third base coach. Yes, he would be so proud. that He did get to see her play in college, but he didn't – not the coaching.
2: Yeah, do you feel kind of the same way, Tom, when you see
1: he, – he, uh, he would have been over the moon to see her coaching, no doubt about that. And he'd have been – he'd have just been laughing to see all the little kids playing their softball and, and baseball. So, you know, and that's just getting in full swing with all the great-grandkids – so, I mean, uh, man, he'd have been. I wish he could have seen, you know, something before he was gone, yeah. Are all of the great grandkids playing either baseball or softball now? Yeah, well, we, my, my sister, you know, my sister's kid and her, her grandkid, she plays sports up in New Hampshire. She, so they're all in the same age group between seven and 10. Um, so they're all either an eight and under or ten and under softball or baseball. And uh, of course, our season's already started down here. You know they don't start as early up there. But I'm not, you know, they're all playing a baseball-type sport, and they play other things too. But in other words, they're 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 all playing, and and we go to a game tonight, a softball game tonight. With
3: and there we go. I'd like to know. You know, when I was at the softball game uh, the other night, a, d- a gentleman came up to me and he said, "Wouldn't you like to know how many baseball and game, baseball g- or just ball games that you've watched?" I, I can't even imagine, because the ones that I didn't go to, I watched on TV when he played, and now here I am going to my great grandkids' games. So
2: this year, will you still? I know you used to watch a lot of the Rays too. Or are you still going to? Have the time with all you have with the grandkids and great-grandkids oh, to watch?
3: I'll, I'll watch all their games on TV. I'm not saying I'm going to be there because that's, <laughs> I put my time in going to the ballpark. I don't think I could make that as, you know, as often as they play, but I never miss a game on TV, the Rays.
2: <laughs> Hopefully this is the 25th anniversary. They're looking to make the playoffs for the fifth straight year. It would be kind of nice, almost fitting, if – the year that Don went into, you know, started the Hall of Fame, that that's the year they win it all.
1: That would, be, that would be really something all tied in together. That would be, a you know, another thrill, no doubt. And, I mean, I'm sure they hope for something like that to happen too.
2: No question about that. As we get set to close this, um, what does all this mean to you? You know, what, when you think of all the things that Don accomplished and what the Rays are doing, what's the most important thing to you?
3: Well, I'm just thrilled that he, his name is, keeps coming up and he keeps, he's keep being honored. I mean, this this is quite an honor, Hall of Fame, and and uh, he would be thrilled too if he was here. But then I wish he was. But anyway, uh, it just goes on and on, and this keeps me into baseball.
1: Oh. All the family that was contacted that live you know, in the Tampa Bay area, basically, every one of them wants to be there. So that tells you they all, they all feel the same way. So every one of them wants to be there.
2: Well, we look forward to having the Zimmer family on the field, and we look forward to this day uh, and just having done in a Hall of Fame. We thank you guys so much for being with us.
3: Thank you very much for asking us. Thank you, Neil.
2: You know, we chat every single year since Don's passing about nine years ago with both Soot and Tom Zimmer, and great to catch up with both of them and certainly appreciate the time and the conversation.
0: It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Um,
2: Next up is Tom Foley. Now, Tom spent more than 20 years in the Rays organization, and he was quite close to uh, Don Zimmer during his time with the Rays. But he also told me an interesting story about how the two of them originally met.
4: I think I was with Cincinnati. We were in Chicago. He was the manager of the Cubs. Never spoke to him. Knew who he was, but never spoke to him. And he walked up to me. Uh, well, I, was, I had a couple good series against the Cubs. Uh, I, 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 I swung the bat pretty good. And he walked up to me in, at the batting cage. And he goes, hey, Foley. And I said, hey, Mr. Zimmer. And uh, he goes, uh, we're going to tell you what's coming tonight. I go, what? And he goes, well, we're not doing very well with you, not knowing, so we're just going to tell you what's coming tonight. Would you rather have that? I go, I look at him, he just smiles at me. And I, just, I just start laughing at him. He just started laughing. But, yeah, that was the first meeting we had, yeah.
2: And then when did you first work with him? Was it with the Rays or was it well, well before that?
4: No, it was with the Rays. Uh, you know, he came over and uh, I think Lou was the manager at the time. And, uh, you know, he, he departed from New York. And, and came over to us. It was kind of exciting, you know. It, you know, a lot of times in baseball you meet people or you talk to people and they see you. And it, basically when they come over and you see them, you, you feel like you know them. And Zim's that kind of guy. I mean, it's it's, it's easy to, to get to know him. He, you know, he wears everything on his sleeves. He's, you know, he's just easy to get along with. And, uh, yeah, he came over and, uh, you know, we hit it off. And, you know, I hung around on him a lot to, you know, probably – consume as much of his knowledge as I could because he's that kind of guy and he's been around the game for so long. But, yeah, he came over and uh, I forget what year it was, but I know he spent 11 years with us and he came over when Lou was the manager.
2: Did he remember that initial conversation or that exchange that you had when you were playing for Cincinnati or did you ever bring it
4: up with him? Yeah, I did bring it up. And he goes, well, it's pretty good managing, isn't it?" And I go, I don't know if that was it or not. I don't even know what kind of game I had after he said that. But, uh, yeah, he had a chuckle about it. And, you know, I guess he does that a lot. And he, he was just so easy. He was easy to talk to because he wanted to talk baseball all the time. I mean, that's, that's what he lived for. And uh, so, you know, you start a conversation in anything, he, and he always had an opinion. Uh, the one thing that you got to remember, though, is if he has an opinion and you disagree with him, you, be- <laughs> you better either, one, make sure you're right, or two, prepared to get your ears blown back because he's going to come at you. And and, and with that, we I figured that out. So we're in the clubhouse one night, and he's starting to talk about something and giving his opinion on it and you know, this and that. And he was right, and I agreed with him, but I didn't say that. I just kind of got up and started walking towards the door and I said, ah, Zim, I don't agree with that. And I kind of walked up the door <laughs> he was yelling at me as I was going through the door. And I was laughing. I turned, I said, oh, I'm just joking with you, man. I agree with you. But I know when he gets that passion about something and he's talking about it, and uh, if you do disagree with him, you better be right and make your points and stuff like that and, uh, uh, because he's really got a passion for the game.
2: How easy was it to get him going for you guys? And was that the probably the most thing you enjoyed about being around him
4: well I don't want to say that because it sounds kind of bad me doing that but we did do that every once in a while it kind of caught on but uh yeah it's uh, we had we had fun with him and uh, don't get me wrong he had his time where he would pull some cranks on us too but uh for the most part yes yeah, that's, that's how we ha- had a little fun with him but uh yeah he's he's always been a good sport you know after it's over he's, he'll be laughing and, but you know, again, those are the things you do in the clubhouse. You, you enjoy the camaraderie, and especially with him, him being there, it was that.
2: You were there in obviously a lot of good years, some really good years. And I had talked to Soot and Tom about this. He related so well to Evan, to BJ, to Carl Crawford. Do you remember how he did that, and and what made him, at his age, so easy to connect with them?
4: Yeah, that's one of the big things that, 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 that I, would, I would talk about as far as Zim is that he could relate to ballplayers. I remember one time, <clears throat> I won't say his name, he was a young kid and he was in the big leagues with us at the beginning of the year and he was struggling. And uh, he walked up to me and the, the player said, you know, I just need to talk to Zim. He goes, you know, you're right, I should go talk to Zim. And so I come out of the dugout, we're not on the field yet and I come out of the dugout early uh, for batting practice, and I look to the right and up in the stands is Zim talking with the player. And again, if you're going to ask Zim a question, you be, be prepared for the answer because it may not be what you want to hear, but he's going to shoot straight with you. He's going to give you exactly what he feels and exactly what he sees. And uh, he did that with this player and they appreciate it. And you see it. You see the same thing with uh, uh, Longoria like you said, BJ, all the young players, they confided in him a little bit. They'd walk up to him and talk to him and they could see. You know, sometimes you get real close with the coaching interaction like me with Longo or, or the infielders uh, that I was responsible for. And sometimes you need an outside voice or an outside eyes, a pair of eyes looking at you and watching you. And, uh, and it's just a nonchalant conversation. It's not something that I'm going to go see, talk to one of the coaches. And, no, it's just a guy to guy. And it just so happened to be Don Zimmer who who uh, knew a lot about baseball, and they respected that. And he could relate. I mean, he could relate to the guys. I mean, he could talk to them as easy as he was talking to Lou or or one of the coaching staff. Uh, So it made that situation a lot easier for the players, a lot more comfortable for the players, where they didn't just have to go here or there and talk. They always had another voice to go. Almost not an outside voice, but a voice and a pair of eyes that's watching them.
2: Did it help that he could tease? Because I would guess for a young player, that ability to be a kid in some ways means something.
4: Yeah, he could tease with the best of them. He'll throw some barbs at you real quick, and you know, and the players will come right back. You know, obviously we all loved and respect Zim, uh, but you know when you're out there and you're throwing barbs, you're going to get some right back at you, and that's what he loved. He really loved to get in the middle and and mix it up and. <laughs> And, you know there's also some times where he got mad, you saw his face get red, and you know, you know you need to back off a little bit, but no he was he was a kid at heart that played a kid's game
2: you had obviously a very good story about you know when you would disagree with him, but I'm sure you have some other really good ones that come to mind um hopefully one or two that you can share that are are, are family friendly um What are some things that come back to you um when you when you think of him
4: uh well, I, I can tell you one. I, I think Soot will appreciate it. Uh, we're going on a road trip to Toronto. Zim, we're getting ready to go, and Zim looks in his bag and doesn't have his passport. Because Westy comes in and gets the passports, and so we all give him to Westy, and Zim doesn't have his passport. And he's, his locker's right next to mine, and that was another treat for me, being next to him every day. Uh, and he goes, Soot forgot my my uh, passport." I, I mean, Soot forgot your passport. You're a, big bu- <laughs> I go, You're a big boy. You forgot your passport. No, no, she forgot to put the, my passport in my bag. I go, don't give me that. He goes, I'm going to call her right now and tell her. They go, yeah, sure you are. And so he calls Soot and they're talking. He goes, You've, I heard him say, you, you forgot pack my passport. And then there's silence. There's more silence. And he goes, he said something else to her and then he hung up and uh, came back to the locker. And they go, How'd it go? And he said, you don't want to know what she called me. (laughs) I said, she probably told you she was the boss, right? And he goes, yeah, that was it. But it was so funny that he's gung-ho, I'm going to tell her. And when he got off that phone, it was like, (laughs) she's bringing the passport. (laughs) But yeah, he was was funny. He would do stuff like that too, like, you know, I'm going to show this and show that, knowing that it ain't going to happen. You know, and... But it's, it's uh, funny. And Soot, I can't say enough about Soot. Uh, you know, behind every good man's a great woman. And that, 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 that girl, her smile, her laugh is just contagious. And, uh, you know, and, you know I, I, Zim, Zim used to say, you know, you know she, she's the one. I mean, I'm in this game, but, I mean, she's the one that takes care of everything else. She's, she's the strong one. So he, uh, I know he appreci- appreciated her as much as, uh, as he could have.
2: You spent, in total, what, 20-plus years with the Rays organization, right. in addition to your many years in the game. What do you think Zim meant to the organization overall with the 11 years he put in there?
4: Yeah, I thought about that. <clears throat> um, one, you know, what, 60-plus years in the game, 65 years in the game. I think it spanned it over eight decades. Oh, you talk talking about. You know, the game for. I know he was his first year because he would talk about the Dodgers and how he came in in '49, and and when he said '49, I come kind of went, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> I go, <"Ooh>, you're old. <laughs> and uh, he would talk about those days, and I mean, you're talking about the Dodgers in 1949 and 1950, you know, in the 1950s, and and here I am sitting with a man that, that's done that and 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 uh, uh, relating with him, uh, but he. Um, you know, he's been, he's seen so much, uh, in the game, he's seen the game change, uh, obviously, uh, and, but he just, like you said, he could relate, you know, he, there's going to be changes, you, you go along with the changes, you, you make the changes, and, um, uh, and he was that guy, he was a baseball guy, he, he was going to be in baseball for as long as he, you know, was alive, and, and he, and he was, um, and he, he I tell you if he, if he was living today he, he still wouldn't be taking the uniform off. The uniform' would still be on him. That's the person he was. He loved the game. He gave a lot to the game and gave a lot and the game gave a lot to him. and he said that. Uh, and he said, "There's no place I'd rather be, no place than at the ballpark. So uh, when he came over to the organization, uh, it was Zim, you know I mean, everybody knows Zim, and we have Zim in our organization now. Uh, it was an addition that uh, I was there. And, again, he was there and we stunk it up for a few years. And then uh, we brought Joe in, and uh, we started winning. And, you know, he added to it. I'm not sure, but I, I want to say that he was the one that was talking about the uh, safety squeeze. And we did it like 17 times in one year. You know, and, and Zen would always say, you can't defense it. There's no defense against it. And I go, I'll figure one out. And he goes, you can't do it. And, uh, you know, we'd argue about that a little bit. Cause I'm trying to be the infield coach, seeing how I can figure this out. And he goes, if you do it right, there's no defense against it. So, and it, it was pretty much right. Cause we did a lot. Uh, so, I mean, he, he added those, those little things, uh, even the little thing, little twists and turns that we may do something, just try and do it differently. And he had those ideas. So, uh, but I, I think the biggest thing was it was him, Zim, being there, uh, Zim baseball, uh, Zim years in the game, uh, and and he also had that winning tradition that he came over from the Yankees, and uh, and came over to us and and you know and he fell back on that a little bit. You could he would tell some things and and when, you know stories and stuff and listening like the Jeter play where. He got the guy at home plate with the back flip hand. You know, he cut it off and flipped it backhanded. Uh, he talked about that and putting Jeter there. Uh, so there was a – and, again, there's another – I mean, we related to Jeter so well. I mean, guys on, on, on the Yankees when he was over there. So his passion for the game is how easily he can relate to players, how easily he can talk to old players, younger players, retired players, coaches, managers, all respected. him
2: did he bring a certain level of added credibility do you think to the franchise in a time when it needed it to a point
4: it obviously didn't hurt I can tell you that uh, again we were bad when he showed up uh, and it wasn't until just a couple of years later that we started to uh, to roll um, but yeah I think he did i, I and again that, that all starts when he when he comes and we're not really that good still we're losing close to 90 something games maybe 100 I'm not sure and he was there. But his time there was also a time of building, too. And he added to that building. Uh, yeah, he's – I think he made a big difference in the organization.
2: Two other things I wanted to ask. First, a raised player who obviously never got a chance now, who never got a chance to know Zim, what do you think is – if they're learning about Zim as a the thing they should know that can help them grow?
4: I don't know. You know, they got, They got a – Good chemistry in the race clubhouse. At least it looks like that on TV. Uh, I haven't been in there, but it it they seem to all gel together. Uh, They seem to all have fun, especially Randy Rosarina. Saw that the other night, and he. But I I think that he doesn't demand respect, uh, but he gets the respect. I mean I mean obviously who he is and stuff. And what I'm saying is he doesn't you know he. He's not looking for that respect. It just comes to him because that's who he is and what he's been through and what he's done in the game of baseball. All the hats he's worn, uh, not only as a player, as a coach, as a, um, a special assistant, a manager, he, he's done it all and through you know, 65 years uh, he spent in the game. So that respect comes, and I think players know that. And once they find out that he's just like anybody else, uh, even though he is. Zim, uh, that they can talk to him. That's that's just an open door. I mean, that's walk in there and get any, get all the knowledge you need, get all the answers or something that you need out of it because he's there and he's an open door, open door. Anybody can walk up and talk to him.
2: There won't be another like him. For a Rays fan, what should they also remember about how much he loved this franchise?
4: Well, he did come home. You know, when he came back to, to St. Pete, uh, they were living here. So he, he he came home and spent the last 11 years with the Rays. And, uh, uh, you know, it was, kind of, I think it was kind of big news when he left the Yankees and came over to the Rays. Uh, but I think the one thing, man, I can just see a smile. I mean, if you get a mad, you can see that scowl on his face and – you know you don't want to, you don't want to get him mad, but when he's laughing and he's smiling, he just his smile lights up the room that, that big big smile laughing, and uh, I just think, if you wanted to remember Zim, how much he enjoyed the game, how much he loved the game. How much he loved Tampa, St pete uh, area and uh, and the fans, and when we started to win here, how enjoyable it was uh, for him. Uh, how excited he got and uh but yeah I I, I just think those things if you're going to remember Zim me it's the smile it's, the, it's the, you know I've had a lot more interaction but looking at it as a fan uh that happy guy that loved the game of baseball and he was a humble guy he was a humble guy uh, you know never was looking for anything but you couldn't help it every time you look at him and you know. You he you couldn't go anywhere. You know, I, I would say that to anybody. You couldn't go anywhere with him. I remember, obviously, in New York, I went to go eat at a deli with him. And well, everywhere, you turn the corner, Sam, 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 Sam. And then you go somewhere else in another city, uh, anywhere, in Chicago or somewhere. I mean, of course, he was managing Chicago. But places that he hadn't coached to play, and they, they knew him. They knew him before they knew the players. And that's just who he was, that face, that persona they'd had. And... Uh, just, I don't know, just passion.
2: So to see him as part of the first Hall of Fame class for the franchise, what does it mean to you, and what does it mean to also be part of that induction ceremony?
4: Well, I'm very thankful, I'm very humbled, I'm very gra- grateful that uh, that I'm going to be a part of it. Uh, but I just think that it's the perfect, perfect person to enter uh, the first group of uh, Hall of Famers and, and to the Tampa Bay Hall of Fame uh, you know one he is a this is his home this was his home uh, and two he he did so much in the game I mean he just ran like I said eight decades in the game I don't know how many people have done that I I can't I don't know anybody else that has done that uh, so it shows you just everything about him uh, he was you know, they, they, they call some guys old school. You know, at the end of my career, Coach career, I was, I was called old school. I go, really? I'm only like 50-something years old. Uh, when they call, so when they call you old school, Zim wasn't old school. He was just, he was school. He was baseball. He, he, you know, he school's in now. If session started. Let's go. Go ahead and pick his brain ask him questions. Uh, I'm excited to be a part of it. And I just think that, uh, he, as far as being the first candidate, one of the first candidates to be in there, I think it's an absolute, just solid choice.
2: Certainly appreciate the time of one Tom Foley. And, uh, Our other conversation is, is with a member of the Rays who's been here for quite a while, but also uh, is still on board with the Tampa Bay organization, and that's the head of travel and logistics, Chris Westmoreland. He's kind of seen a little bit of everything, and he's particularly close uh, to the Zimmer family. And we asked how that relationship came
0: about. It's a, it's a no-brainer for this organization, um, not only as, as a, a baseball person, but beyond the game as a human being, uh, him and his family, you know, they are very close to me. Uh, they were very, very close to me. And, and, uh, just his, just the, the aura he brought around the ballpark as a person and as a baseball. I mean, it's just a, it's a no brainer for a hall of famer for the Rays.
2: How did the two of you first connect? You remember like when you first met or what it was like, or were you nervous?
0: Because obviously, you know, the game, you know him. Yeah, I I do remember when we met It We were at the Ray Namoli Complex, and um, he uh, he didn't hold anything back. So I just remember at the time I ran our clubhouse and I was giving him equipment, and he was very critical of the equipment that I gave him. So I think what kind of developed or helped develop our relationship is I fired back at him, and he really liked that, and I think a lot of people in the game didn't realize that. You know, people were intimidated by him. So I'd fire right back at him. And then our relationship blossomed, I would argue, into a um, best friendship. Um, you know, I learned so much from him, not only baseball-wise, but life-wise. Um, you know, the experiences he's been through and, you know, it, it just blossomed into something special for me. Tell me what he taught you about life and how he made you a better person. You know, he he taught me that, like, don't take anything too serious because there's always people that are worse off. There's, you know, he he always said, you know, I've always had one paycheck and it was baseball. And there's people that are working a lot harder out there for less money. And he always, he always, I mean, he said it on a regular basis. Um, Whenever I was stressed out about something, he could always tell. And he would say, what are you stressed out about? You're working in baseball. So I think it made me realize, like, you know, we're really fortunate to be able to do what we do, whether it's a player or a staff member, coach, or anyone in the front office, and that meant a lot to me.
2: What are some good stories maybe that you have? And are they mostly off the field or are they or, or are they, at the field?
0: Oh, there's a little bit of both. I, I remember – Oh, there's several stories. I don't think you have enough radio, uh, radio time to talk about them. But a couple of them is he was an extremely, extremely uh, competitive guy. So we would play golf every once in a while. And this was earlier in, in his career. Um, and he could hit it. He could hit it right down the middle. It wouldn't go very far, but it hit it right down the middle. And he'd always give me a hard time because I'd hit it 320 yards, but it'd be in the woods. He's like, here I am, an 80-year-old man, and I par, and you double bogey. And look at you. You're a big, strapping young man, and you hit the ball like you do, and my years are past me, and here I am beating your butt in golf. So golf was one thing that there was a lot of talk, but probably the funniest story that I've encountered with Zim is we had an off day in Boston. So he invited uh, myself, a couple of our coaches, a couple of our staff members, to Mohegan Sun, Mohegan Sun Casino. So we get a car, and we're in a limousine, and we're driving, and all of a sudden, we hear Zim yelling and screaming on the phone. He's yelling, and, and we don't know what's the matter. And all I heard was, she won't let me get a word in edgewise. And he hangs up his cell phone. So we're all, I mean, we're intimidated. We're not saying anything. And all of a sudden, I look over at Zim, and he puts his hands over his eyes, and he starts grinning. I said, what are you grinning about? He says, I just went on and on yelling at my wife, and it was a voicemail. And this limousine erupted in laughter because he thought that he was talking to Soot, but it was actually she was leaving a long long voicemail, and he forgot he was in the middle of a, of a voicemail as opposed to a conversation with her, and he went crazy. So that was, I mean, it kept us laughing all day. I, in many ways, think that the Hall of Fame recognition is as much for Soot as
2: it is for Don in some ways. Do you feel the same way knowing the family as well as you do? She
0: deserves the Hall of Fame name. She deserves her a jersey with her up there for putting up with him for all the years that she had to. Um, she, I'll tell you what, and she'll never admit it. She, she made Zim what he was. She would check him up. She would uh, be there for support, followed him everywhere, through the minor leagues, through managing, through playing, I mean, it is. It's truly an honor for her, I'm sure, too, because she knows how involved she was with his career. And if he was here today, he would, and he would, if he could say something uh, about this induction, he would say, I owe it all to set. How often do you
2: think still of Don? I mean, it's nine years after the fact. And do, do a lot of memories flood back to the fact that he
0: is being inducted? Uh, I think about him all the time. Um, there's just so many things we did like around the clubhouse, you know, we used to sit in the coach's room and talk about the game and he would be three innings ahead of everybody. Um, I think about it all the time watching the game. I think about it when we go to Boston um, because I could never beat him in gin, gin rummy. And he would definitely um, remind me of that every time we went to Boston. Um, And I still have his number in my cell phone because I'll never delete it because he meant, he meant the world to me. And And, uh, yeah, I do. I think about him all the time. and, And luckily, with this induction, the Rays will be able to think about him every day, too. The thing that stands out to me also is
2: that he was so inclusive. Because it didn't matter whether you were someone in
0: the clubhouse, on the field, off the field. He really was engaged with everybody. He was. And a lot of us really, you know, that was one of the things that really stood out. It didn't matter who you were. You could be the, the best player in all the major leagues, or you could be a trainer, clubhouse staff, bat boy. He engaged with everybody. He joked with everybody. And I would argue he taught somebody something every day.
2: Is there anything else that
0: you know you think is
2: important for, let's say, a fan who didn't know Don and will see his, his uh, plaque in the Rays Hall of Fame uh, and and want to know more about him. What you think is most important to know?
0: I think, and I think a lot of people that have been around Zim will tell you this. He was a big teddy bear. He was an emotional guy. Um, he loved his family more than ever. He loved Soot and the kids and grandkids, and he talked about them all the time. Um, but that's one side that the fans don't see. They saw this this you know argumentative gruff. Uh, you know the kicking of the hat and the as a manager spitting the tobacco, but what they didn't see is the truly loving guy he was. If I ever had an issue going on a personal issue going on, he was always there for me and he would he he may not he may admit that he doesn't have the best opinion but he always gave one and he was always supportive of of the people around him in this game and that's what I think the fans don't may not know the ones that w- weren't close to him is he had a very emotional side and he loved more than people think he did
2: wonderful conversations with chris westmoreland as well as tom foley and tom zimmer and we certainly appreciate all of their time on the podcast today we will have separate podcasts for each of the race hall of fame inductees of course the others being wade boggs and carl crawford and we'll have future 25th anniversary podcast during the course of the season And we hope you're looking forward to that. If you ever have something you want to hear on our podcast, always tweet us at Rays Radio or also at Neil Solons. Thanks so much for listening. We will chat with you soon.